Fielder Symphony Pools described their first experience with being denied specking in a gas heater due to the banning of natural gas in a city they serve. If you think that decarbonization can't affect you in the pool industry, you may want to think again. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Pool Pro Podcast. Welcome back to the Pool Pro Podcast. This is Michelle Cavanaugh with co-host. Dave Rockwell's here. Hey, Dave. We're excited about this particular podcast because this whole decarbonization issue in California um, is something that we're concerned about from a service and building perspective. And there's not been a lot of, enough conversations, I should say, about this topic. Uh, we've already talked to AquaCal, who are heat pump manufacturers, and they certainly have a perspective on this issue. But today we want to bring in two guests. This is a real world application of the decarbonization issue affecting builders. And so Symphony Pools, we have owner Randy Bauer, and I think Brian Garcia is now considered the man of all of all trades at Symphony or something. Well, I don't know what your official title is, Brian, but you basically do everything. And that's what I love about making coffee all the way up to building pools, whatever happens, you do it. So welcome both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Welcome and so back. we really wanted to talk about your story. Dave, did you want to, I think you had a good, great question about trying to get their story out there. Yeah, uh, I, I know Randy is one of the really good pool builders around the LA area. And uh, I know that he, uh, he has a very relevant recent story to tell us. I just kind of wanted to start out with a couple, couple things. I, there's a couple words and phrases that I learned in 2020 that I absolutely wish I had never heard. Uh, obvious, the obvious one is COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, flatten the curve, virtue signaling, uh, murder hornets. I wish I'd never heard any of these things. But, but the most recent one and maybe the most relevant one is reach codes. And uh, we have Brian and uh, Randy with us here today because they have direct firsthand experience with reach codes and it's going to be something that's affecting us all in the future so um randy maybe you can or, or whichever one of you uh would tell us about that particular experience you had well um i guess it just probably started with me not that long ago i got a call from an architect who wanted us to provide an estimate uh, for a project in santa monica and he assumed that we were aware of this reach code in Santa Monica where they had prohibited gas heater installations. I, you know, basically just kind of told him that I kind of knew about that and thought I would investigate it a little bit further. I brought Randy into it. I reached out to, I forgot his last name. Um, he's a senior energy analyst. I think that's his title uh, in the city of Santa Monica. And he, through some back and forth email threads, uh, he told me that, yeah, gas heaters are prohibited and that the only thing that we can install are electric heat pumps and or solar or electric heaters. Yeah. And um, that started our search into seeing the uh, uh, if that statement was, you know, how true that was and if there was any budge on that. And apparently this reach code in Santa Monica went into effect the very beginning of this year, January 1st. And they do actually have a document uh, that I found online the other day to verify that gas heaters are prohibited. And then, of course, that opens up a variety of problems, not only to the builders, but primarily to uh, the customer. Yeah. The options. Well, one of the biggest um, 
problems that it presents is in every angle, in the industry, in, in the uh, power supply industry, we're not ready for this. Yeah. Um, Randy? Yeah, I mean, full electric homes have been tried in the past. Um, we didn't have the photovoltaic systems that we have today, but it has been tried and it has failed in the past. So as time goes uh, forward, we'll see if the photovoltaic uh, uh, panels and, and uh, swimming pool solar uh, can keep up with the, uh, the electricity demand. Right. Heat uh, pumps and electric heaters would require for swimming pools and spas. And this is, I got to thinking about this. Uh, it, it stunned me when I heard that this was being implemented already. Because um, I've, I've been kind of in, in the forefront of energy saving, energy efficiency. Before uh, variable speed pumps came out, SDG&E down in San Diego was teaching us to downsize the impeller in the pump and use smaller single speed pumps. And, and uh, we were amazed at, at the uh, energy savings we could attain just with that. Then variable speed pumps came out and completely changed the game. But during that uh, time period, the way that you were taught to sell a $2,000 pump to a customer was, was that the the two biggest energy draws on the home were the pool pump and the air conditioning system. And now they're actually mandating adding another air conditioning unit or two or more to these homes. And, and I just, I, I don't, I mean, this represents such a sharp left turn from everything that we've been taught and everything that we've thought that it, it it's just, the industry, I think, is stunned. And I think a lot of us out there don't even know this is happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, normally, a building in safety would put out a, uh, a letter or something to uh, mm -hmm. inform uh, the contractors that this is coming forth and we can start preparing our clients. But uh, this didn't happen with Santa Monica. And to our knowledge, there was no nobody in the industry that this would affect that was brought into whatever meeting occurred at Santa yeah. Monica to pass this reach code, um, not only the cost of it, but the practicality of it and the function of it. You know, I don't, I mean, I haven't done the calculations, but I can't imagine that uh, customers would be able to heat their spa and what they expect it in the time allotted that they expect it to heat in. And that's what was so unexpected too, Brian and Randy, was right. that, you know, the CPSA, we're, you know, we're lobbying on behalf of the industry in California but these reach codes, you get, you know, these cities are passing this with 24 hours notice to respond and you don't have enough time to even get the information or, you know, file comments against or even show up for a meeting or rally the troops in the area. We have, you know, we don't even have enough notice to do that. So we, this kind of threw us into a, a, a trying to react. It's kind of a very reactive thing. And I think 35 cities in the California have already pass some sort of variation of this reach code, no, you know, and, and we're trying to just, it's almost a full-time job for CPSA just to manage this one issue. And then think about all the other issues that we're fighting, whether it be drought related or employment law related, you know, for the swimming pool industry, it's, it's something that just kind of came out quickly and we're, we're just working to trying to respond to it. Sure. Yep. So in, in, uh, in order to comply 
um, with the new requirement. Uh, obviously, heat pumps are going to be a require a, a necessary item. Uh, we currently uh, install solar on every pool um, in Santa Monica, and oh, so that's okay. been a mandate for many years, years. Um, swimming pool solar. And so um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, so Randy, talk a little bit about how that's going to change, would change you if this sticks. Um, I know working in that area as, as a service tech, um, space is a problem. Where are we going to stuff the, the equipment pads are already a lot smaller than, than they need to be. You're putting 10 pounds of mud in a five pound sack half the time. And, and so what, how is this going to affect just, just getting, you know, finding a place to fit everything? Well, the heat pumps, um, generally they're about 36 inches by 36 inches, uh, roughly. Um, where currently our gas heaters are 24 by 24. So the space wouldn't necessarily be a problem. Obviously, we're going to need to bring a very large uh, um, circuit out to the pool equipment going from, you know, currently 30 to 50 amps. And we're going to now need to go to like uh, 80 to 100 amps out there. Um, obviously, we'll save the cost of the gas line. Um, to heat the water, you're looking at a, a, approximately three times longer to heat the water. As far as maintaining a spa, I don't believe, I haven't run the calculations yet, but I don't believe the heat pumps are going to be able to maintain a 100 degree temperature in a spa with the jets running at a 50 degree night or whatever it is when you're out there using your spa. I don't believe that's going to happen. So I think that this may uh, pretty much eliminate the concrete spa in a, in this Santa Monica area. Um, go ahead. Or, or they would have to put a pretty good size electric heater to, to keep that temperature up while they're, while they're in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which obviously requires an additional 50 to 60 amps to run you know, a, yeah. a good size electric heater and, and maybe even more. I, I believe there's a 12 kW heater that's manufactured now, which I believe requires approximately a hundred amp uh, uh, circuit. Yeah. So I've seen one on a, on a spa. It, it, it does heat the water pretty effectively, but okay. the, the power usage is, is enormous on these things. Yeah. yeah. I think even Santa Monica, I was, um, I think it was an article that the CPSA or an email that I received from the CPSA and um, they, there was a link to the city of Santa Monica's, this reach code or whatnot. And it was interesting, there's a report that Santa Monica cited, I forget who did the study, but in the uh, body of the report, they, um, they confess that basically, if you're heating a pool, that might be okay. But if you're heating a spa, the results are inconclusive. It, it, they actually said it may not heat the way that a customer will expect it to heat. Right. And um, it was basically just left off at that. And apparently, I mean, obviously the code still passed. They still adopted the reach code right. um, in the midst of this report. So it, that tells me that the city of Santa Monica isn't really concerned with um, their citizens and the customers. Um, they obviously just have an agenda that they want to pass and they did. 
And usually when they want to get these laws through, they do it with very little notice. They do it <laughs> under cover of night. I mean, yeah. right. If anyone were to know if something like this were to happen, it would be us in the right. industry. I mean, we're right. constantly looking at this stuff. And that just shows you exactly what you said. I mean, they pass this thing in 24 hours, obviously intentionally. So we do miss it. Right. Yes. So, so is there, uh, is Go ahead, Randy, there... I'm sorry. Is there any other city that has done this? You said 35 other. Yes, I can provide a list of the cities that have done it, have passed it. So yes. How about locally, wow. anybody down here in Southern California? No, we deal with, uh, I don't know, 15 building safeties, 15 different ju jurisdictions. So far, this is yeah. the only one. This is the only one. And we now we are working together with the Pool and Hot Tub Alliance. So their government relations team and our government relations team are working together with resources and um, what we can actually accomplish. And so now we file comments. We have it now down to a system where as soon as we are notified, we, we have our comments that we file immediately. We provide documentation. I mean, I don't know if we can get information out to, you know, our members or, you know, constituents early enough to be able to have them inform their customers so their customers can show up at the city council meeting. That's hard to do in 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. But we're going to just keep trying to refine this and make it better as far as our response. So that we can, you know, handle it as it comes up. But uh, are any other states doing this? Um, there's a national coalition for decarbonization that PHTA heads up, and we're a part of that now. So I think Massachusetts is doing this, um, and we're following every other jurisdiction in the country to try try to combat this there. Now, again, everybody says, "Well, Michelle, do you, you know CPSA and PHTA doesn't care about the environment?" No, that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an industry, especially in California, where just think about tourism and the amount of homeowners that have pools. And like, if you're going to decide this without enough data to make a decision that that works when there's viable options out there as replacements, and how is it going to handle, you know, how is the electrical grid going to be able to handle this, you know, type of thing when we already have blackouts in California now, I guess that and fire potential as well. I mean, think about the fires and if you add more, it's all electrical lines now, what is the fire potential? But I guess for me, the question is, have you guys talked to any of the manufacturers and have you actually asked them, you know, where do you have a heat pump where there's a, you know, pool hot tub combination and it's actually working effectively? Can we look at it? Can we see what their electric bills are? I mean, is there a way for us to like, to go to back to the manufacturers like an Aquacal or somebody and say, yeah, we've got these heat pumps working in Orange County. Here's, an, here's a couple examples and this is what it looks like and this is what we're doing and it's working effectively. Has anybody done that? I, I've talked to Aquacal, but we strictly talked about uh, heating a swimming pool um, and heating a spa, but not maintaining the temperature with the heat pump. Um, so time will tell on that. Um, it was that uh, was that part of the discussion that uh, you had with Aquacal, David? Yes, um, and they they of course are were adamant that uh, that their product will fulfill the needs. Okay. Um, but I, you know, I would like to. Uh, you probably don't have any heat pumps on any jobs yet up and running. When this job, maybe this will be the first heat pump I can get my hands on. But if if when you get the get it installed and get it running, I would love the opportunity as part of a, part of the podcast to come out, put my amp meter on it, and and see what it actually draws, and let's let's take actual measurements of what it's going to real world take to heat a pool. Yeah, 
this particular project that we were quoting in Santa Monica, it, it, it is along with a brand new home. So three years um, down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be maybe a year before we get that up yeah. and running. So, right. uh, you know, we may end up with a, uh, a, a heat pump installation that we can test prior to that. Right. Well, maybe we got maybe we've got time to do something about this. <laughs> well, Dave, why don't you contact Don? Don Touch from um, Aquacal yeah. and, and ask well, him well, for some. You know, the, I'll bet you he'll take you out to visit somewhere because he seems pretty gung ho about it. So, yeah. you know, he'll take you out somewhere and show it to you. You can test it there. I think he'd be perfectly fine with that. Pool, yeah, pool I would like to, I'd like to be involved in that, David. Yeah. Pro, if that's an option, sure. we yeah. should set that up. You guys should video it too, by the way. Yeah, oh, that's the plan. Believe me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's interesting that we're uh, bringing up uh, real world scenarios and wanting to look at this. I'm, I'm wondering, and do you know, has there been any case studies that have shown that number one gas heaters or the elimination of them will significantly reduce the carbon footprint in California? And if you look, if you talk to PG&E, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Yes. Okay. All right. I think I think the uh, fires that uh, yes. you know that these uh, electrical lines and transformers produce uh, would reduce that carbon uh, footprint. We're actually the coalition. Just to, the coalition, by the way, is collecting the data now. Now the coalition that consists of all the manufacturers that that uh, do gas heaters, um, and they're putting together the information. So I can actually I could probably send that out what we have available to all the members and you guys are members of CPSA to make sure you guys are getting that. But they are the only study that's on the opposite side of it, of course, or on, I guess, for decarbonization is the PG&E study, which I think it's, you know, several hundred pages. I mean, it's it's a tough read, let me just say that. But uh, I think that they, what I have heard is that the information that's in there is not accurate. Hmm. I'm sure that's surprising because they're trying to sell electricity. But I mean, if the gas company were doing a report and said, you know, that debunks electricity completely. You kind of question that too. So, you know, yeah. you, you have to kind of look at, uh, read between the lines, I guess. Well, and I re I'm barely old enough to remember, but back in the 50s and 60s, tobacco companies produced pages and pages of scientific studies that said their cigarettes were completely so safe and if, if yes. not even beneficial. So yeah. <laughs> industry-funded is, uh, is a whole different animal, I think. I have a question is is has there been any um or do you know if it's even possible for these cities to retract these reach codes or to step back on these or to... i would hope so i think if enough people were to, to cause a stink about it i think that especially the citizens of that particular city i think if they were to you know come together as a group and you know go to the city council members and be like this is some bull crap and here's why um, i think that you know, the city council members can vote that. Don't you think, Dave? I mean, I don't see why not. Well, you think, especially in, in uh, places like Santa Monica and some of the neighborhoods surrounding it, there's some very connected and politically powerful people that live there. And, and yeah. if they knew that, that their precious pool of heat and, and what was being taken away, uh, I think they'd have something to say about it. And yeah. so I, I've been, ever since I heard about this issue, I'm, I'm very late to the game here. I, I it caught me totally by surprise. Um, but since I've heard about it, I'm, I'm thinking about what can we do as a plan of action to, you know, 
stem this tide or at least stop it here, but preferably in Santa Monica, turn it, turn it back. Um, first and foremost, I would tell anybody uh, in California to join CPSA so that you can stay up to up to date on it and that you can be involved in a group that's that's trying to, to help better the industry and um, but but beyond that I think we need to educate our clients yeah we, we need yep. to we need to tell them um, I, I talked to one of one of my clients that has a 800 to a thousand square foot pool vanishing edge perched on a cliff in Beverly Hills. He uses three uh, Pentair ETI 96% efficient heaters to keep that pool at 90 degrees um, about nine months out of the year. In wintertime, it's so cold, it, it, it just, it's not reasonable even with gassy. Uh, and he's got a, attached to that a, a, about a 26 or 2700 gallon spa and that one of the heaters feeds and he's barely able to to get what he wants out of out of the gas heat i mean he's going to need a full-on farm of of uh heat, heat pumps, pumps. And, yeah. and it's not even going to get him close to what he's trying to do there i mean and and he's not um a person that takes no for an answer on things yeah um one of the one of the things that came up in our discussion with aquacal is well they're going to have to cover these pools and I mean, people don't build, they don't spend $150,000 on glass tile to cover it and, and look out their window at a, at a pool cover. Right. They, they build these things not only at, they, they use them every day, whether they heat them or not. They, they uh, add beauty to the backyard. They, they, there's a lot of detail and a lot of, you know, um, and it's not practical to not run a vanishing edge pump. You got a vanishing vanishing edge wall pointed straight at the sun all day long. The temperature differential is going to ruin the tile on the outside of the wall if you don't run the water and keep it cool whenever the sun is beating on it. So there, there's just practical issues that if you're trying to heat the pool, all these things matter because most of our heat is evaporative loss and. Uh, so we need the BTUs to, to compensate for it. Pools like that, now pools like that are rare, but they're, they're also, you know, the ones in, in our industry that probably use the most. Yeah. How do you I, respond I to you? The, Go ahead, Randy, I'm sorry. Uh, the next spa that we do in Santa Monica, there is a pathway that you can, uh, that they're not eliminating gas, natural gas from homes, new residential construction but is, there is a pathway where you can do a mixture of uh, natural gas and electric, mm -hmm. and uh, it requires a, a, quite a bit of solar, which uh, we're automatically installing solar anyway, swimming pool solar in Santa Monica. And so I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna approach it with trying to get a, both a small natural gas heater and a heat pump approved. So right. we'll see how that goes. Pentair has a hybrid. Uh, it's yeah. a, a two hundred thousand BTU gas heater in it. In a uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask, how do you guys respond to any kind of criticism we might receive in as an industry? You know, because these are probably first world problems. You're thinking, really, you care so little about the environment. All you care about is making sure the backyard pool's heated when 
there's bigger issues in the world and in the country than that. How do you, how do you think as the industry, we should respond to something like that? Because we may look like we just don't give a crap about the environment when we're having these conversations. I don't think any of us feel that way. So how do you respond to something like that? Where like, you know, cause I think Aquacow was pretty clear that, you know, there's changing of behaviors is probably necessary to be able to make sure we're taking care of the planet. What do you think about that? I think that uh, we all need to work together. I think that heating technology in the swimming pool business needs to get better. Uh, but meanwhile, it's not like electric vehicles are just completely taking over. You know, there's a time frame for uh, for fueled vehicles uh, to, uh, you know, slowly dissipate. And that probably needs to happen in our industry also. It, it, you can't just take gas heaters out of the equation because we're not yeah. going to be able to heat water efficiently. You know, we're already uh, having brownouts and blackouts with the uh, um, minimal amount of electrical stations that we have in California. And now this is only going to add to it. Um, so I think the between the solar and the electric heaters and gas heaters, um, uh, you know, it all needs to get better before we start eliminating things. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, working together as an industry and the public uh, with uh, the purchasing of these systems and the manufacturers, you know, uh, making better quality products and more efficient products, that's how it's going to need to go. I mean, uh, you can't just eliminate one thing that we've used for the last, you know, 60 years to heat pools, 70 years to heat pools. Right. And I think that manufacturers um, in the pool industry and builders, I think we're all forward forward thinking in this idea. I mean, nobody wants to be energy inefficient. Right. Um, you know, we the manufacturers have come out with many energy efficient products. Um, as Dave was saying, I mean, the variable speed pump was a game changer. Um, the ETI heater from Pentair is um, more energy efficient than the master temp heater. I mean, there's, you know, we install solar and we, I mean, we as a company, we always are looking for ways to um, save the customer money and to be more energy efficient. And I think people in the industry share that same belief. It's what Randy said. The technology isn't there yet to just do a hard switch this quick to something like heat pumps. Right. And it's the same thing with the, uh, the variable speed and the two-speed pumps. It wasn't just immediately pushed on mm -hmm. us. It was 20 years of phasing the single-speed filtration pump out. Right. And we were we were looking for solutions. We we saw what what an energy draw big pool pumps were, and and we started to understand the the wrong thinking. The worst thing that happened in our industry, I think, is that the brass pool pumps were replaced with high head, high efficiency, single speed, right. and the, those pumps were invented before the high quality hydraulics class. Yeah. And, and so guys were just like, well, it's a half horse and a half pump. I'm putting a horse and a half pump in. That's how we're sizing it. And they didn't understand that, that the, uh, they were, it was such a different animal. And so, and they even used to sell pools. Randy, maybe you remember this, uh, that, well, he's only going to put a one horse pump. I'm, I'm going to put a two horse. I'm going to put a horse and a half. And, and, and so, um, it wasn't until we began to really dig in and understand hydraulics that we we understood the folly of that. So the industry does have to educate and learn and grow. And, and but I think 
we're doing that now more than I've ever seen in 30 years of, of being around. We're every aspect from from uh, every every piece of equipment on the equipment pad to our water chemistry. We're we're constantly looking for ways to improve and do better. Yeah, definitely. Uh, years ago, obviously, uh, as you said, um, some of the pool builders thought big is better. And so, the, you know, a two horsepower pump on everything with two inch plumbing and just, you know, so much energy draw there. And that's probably where we got the, the bad name. And now with the variable speed pumps, you can st you can put on the variable speed pump on two inch or two and a half inch plumbing and tone it way down to where it's not uh, being restricted and, and uh, using more energy than what's necessary to turn that pool over. Right. So, the, and a couple other thoughts as we, we have this discussion is what, you know, what would we say to somebody who, who thinks we're being selfish or uh, that this is a first world problem or, or a, a industrialized nation problem? Well, the, thing that really separates developing nations from industrialized nations is a reliable power grid, a, a reliable power supply, access to clean water. Um, my question to them is, do we really wanna go back and, and not have that, not have, because there, there's a, a whole huge variety of implications with that. We, I mean, the states have shut down and we can't keep the lights on on a hot day in the summer or, or they have to shut things down on a windy day when the Santa Ana's blow. Um, that means in the, in the time that people need their air conditioner the most, they have no access to it. Um, there, there's, there's huge implications to adding even more strain to, to an already stressed power grid. Right. And that makes sense, Dave. And I think that's what that's why I think we we get concerned about it is before we go out and make it, you know, passing legislation, have we thought of all the repercussions of passing that legislation? That's the concern CPSA has. We're not against the environment. We just want to make sure that you're considering these other these other things that you may not have been, you know, been considering when the environmentalists are paying you millions of dollars to pass the legislation. We get how the system works, but we, we want to figure out a way to make sure you are fully informed before you make a decision. And you, you know, you're voted in by the people of California into these positions and roles in the first place. So making sure you're listening to the citizens you know, and make sure they are, I think education is the key. We have a letter and we have a flyer that's on the CPSA website that all builders can provide to their customers, whether they are even current customers who aren't looking at remodeling or whatever, and they're not in an area where reach code is a problem, it may be in the future. So they need to make sure that they are, they know what's going on in their community so that if this comes up in the future for them, they can do something about it. And we have a sample letter that, that can be sent to all the city council members. All they have to do is personalize it. We even tell them how to go find the city council member addresses in their area. So that's something all builders can do to inform, you know, in California that they can start informing their customers that this is a problem because it's not just about the pool it's about your outdoor kitchens and all, you know your barbecues and all that kind of stuff that could be impacted with the banning fire of natural features. gas yeah uh, water features yes fire fire features oh i'm sorry <laughs> fire pits fireplaces fire features yes, all that yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's a good point michelle it's i think it's it's a good point to talk about how do we mobilize and how do we do something and how do we mitigate the, the potential that these cities start adopting more of these reach codes because i have a feeling that if it hits los angeles then that 
that's going to be a big problem because that will probably affect all of California quickly. And then as we kind of see in our nation, after something happens in California, kind of percolates throughout the rest yes. of the country. It doesn't just stay think, in California. I think CPSA can do that, uh, mobilizing all of the pool industry yeah. and, uh, and, and doing this as a grassroots uh, uh, with, you know, approaching the uh, council members and, and uh, senators and so on and so forth. Yes, absolutely. If somebody wants to have a, a pool built by Symphony Pools, how do they go about that? I just give us a call at uh, 805-584-9974 and Brian's going to set up an appointment. He's going to answer the phone. And, uh, <laughs> After he makes coffee, he'll answer the phone and then he'll make an appointment. He's on it. At 730, he's on it. Right. After all the massages are taken care of in the office. <laughs> we make sure he has headphones uh, no matter where he goes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yep. But yeah, I'll take care of you. I'll make a set up an appointment for you to meet either with Randy or Miles here in the office. And um, I mean, you just in like the LA area where, where you guys building all over yeah, the state? We, we handle uh, pretty much all of LA County and, and okay. uh, Eastern Ventura County. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and the consultations are free. Uh, and, um, and then from there, we can give a, a, a rough estimate and uh, uh, work on a design from there. Yeah. Yes. And I want to just make sure it's clear. We're talking a lot about just California in this particular podcast episode. But if you think this is just going to stay in California yeah. and it's not going to happen in your area, you are mistaken. So it's, it's very possible it'll, it'll trickle across the United States. I think Massachusetts is already doing it um, or, or in that. So you're not, even though we've talked a lot about California specifically, this is a national issue that we should all be concerned about in the pool industry. So make sure you're staying on top of what's happening in your area. The Pool and Hot Tub Alliance is a good resource for that because they follow every jurisdiction in the country. They, they are notified when anything happens that could impact the pool industry, they're aware of it. So they are a good a resource to make sure you know what's going on too. Yep. We're members of, of PHTA as well. Yes. Dave, do you have additional, another question? Well, I think that we did a call to action to builders, but I think that call to action needs to extend to the service uh, professionals as well because uh, it's going to have a huge impact on us it it affects the builders first as they're building and, and installing things on the pool but five years down the road all of, uh, when things don't work when the customer doesn't get the results he wants um, the service tech is the person who's to, expected to magically make things work and make things happen so um, I think the entire industry as a whole needs to unite yep. and and uh you know just educate the the lawmakers is the i i really don't think they're seeing that they're they're this is an emotional reaction but they're not really looking at the whole big picture and, and the logical and, and you look at a a problem as big as the carbon footprint and the 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 climate change, whatever uh, that, that is, it's supposedly causing. Um, why would you only want one tool in the bag to fight a problem that big? Um, the gas company is doing a lot of things to find other sources of, of gas. And some of them are, uh, one of the things in this, in the round table at CPSA uh, put out, which I, if you, I first joined CPSA and then first thing you do is listen to that round table discussion. 
uh, after you join, but they're they're looking for other sources of of natural gas, and one of them is the big uh, hot button issue with with a lot of environmental uh, environmentalists is the the methane produced by cow uh, yep. uh, dairy and and beef um, enterprises. And they're actually looking at ways of capturing that methane, turning it into natural gas, and empowering the planet with it. So, I mean, they're they're if you just restrict the a, a big problem to, to one solution, you eliminate some brilliant thinkers and and uh, some out of the box solutions that, yeah, that may have yeah. a, a long term benefit. Um, it, and if you think solar farms don't have an impact on the environment, I, I recommend that you go out and do some research in that area because nothing is a free ride type of scenario in regards to the impact on the environment. The acres and acres and acres of solar farms do have an impact on the environment as well. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. We're not, that's not our philosophy, but you know, there's also electrical plants and different things that also have an impact on the environment. So make sure you do your research when you're, when you're looking at that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Point. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate it, Brian and Randy. So this, we wanted to make sure we shared this story just because this was the first that I had heard of an actual issue where this problem impacted um, the pool industry in California with a builder perspective here. So I wanted to make sure you guys heard this. And I know Dave really was set this up because he had a conversation with Brian um, and Randy as well. So thanks so much for coming and sharing yeah, this story. We appreciate us. it. Yeah. yeah. Been great. This and, and we'd, we'd like to follow this story. Uh, you have my phone number as, as things develop or if other things come up, uh, please let us know. And, and we're going to uh, we're going to continue to follow this and, and hopefully we'll be able to follow the, the pushback that, that the industry is able to to create. So absolutely. Thanks for that. You got it. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh -huh. Have a good day. You too. Right. Take care. A new voice in the industry, a resource for all, education for you. This is Pool Pro Podcast. Build relationships and share important news as we get ready for our next backyard adventure. Pool Pro Podcast, backyard adventures are better together. Please take a moment to share, like, and review our content with all of those that would be interested.